to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal with Conan Neutron and Josh Davis. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. Thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree to shop in Naples. Confidence of a hero or fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? That's right. It is. It's a science thing. It's a science place. It's a scientific fact that we are in your face. You are here, and we welcome you to the one, the only... Protonic reversal. Yes. Yes. That is correct. That is correct, sir. Oh, we are here, and today we have a very special guest. It's going to be uh, none other than Mr. Justin Foley of the Austerity Program. So we'll be speaking with him shortly. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to see what he's up to. Uh, he's got uh, there, there's a there's a new record. I can tell you right now. I know part of what he's up to, and part of what he's up to is there's a new record, and excited to talk to him about it. I'm a big fan of the Austerity Program. Austerity Program has got one of those uh, things that they do, and it's uh, it can be daunting at first listen, but it's fantastic. And uh, there's there's a new one. It's it's cause for it's cause for rejoicing, truly. So let's go ahead and uh, we'll uh, just listen to one of the songs here, and then we'll uh, talk to Mr. Foley. All right, that sound that sounds good. I don't really feel like talking. You don't feel like listening to me. Everything works out if you let it. Uh, this is Two Kings 25 colon 1 dash 7. How do you even announce these songs? How does anyone announce these songs? That's what I want to know. I, I don't I don't get it. But uh, I, I, you know, I do get it. Is that it's great. So let's listen to it uh, together as a goddamn family for once. Here's some austerity program. Let's go. 
there you go. That's a new austerity program. That was uh, that's off the new song. That's the new song off the record Bible songs one. And of course, on the phone joining me right now, we have none other than Mister Justin Foley. Justin, welcome. Hi, Conan. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Uh, it's great to have you on. I've actually wanted to uh, wanted to have you on for quite some time now. So I'm, I'm glad this worked out. And much like a comet sighting, happened to work out that uh, you have some new material to promote. So that works out well for everybody. There you go. It has been. Uh, it's been a little while since the last one. The last one was beyond calculation, right? We're talking mm-hmm. about. I think it was like six years, something, something along those lines. Yeah, I th- I th- five or six years. That's right. And you. I wouldn't say you, you broke format, but you you always had a thing with your other records uh, with song titles, and it's it's different on this one. Yeah, M- little different. It, a little different. The the um, so previously done with song titles um, was um, actually I just want to make sure. Can you hear me clearly here? Oh yeah, I, we can hear you just okay. great. Yeah, thank you. Great. Um, yeah. Um, so previously with song titles, what we had done is, um, you know, they had sort of, we, we basically gave them numbers sequentially in the order right. that they were written. And it was really because um, we never really felt compelled to sort of the, the, the putting an additional name on top of the work that we'd done so far sort of felt like it added a whole lot to it. So. Uh, that was always the that was always the you know sort of impetus of of doing something that ended up feeling strange for other people because it's like why do you guys do that and it was like it it felt more like it was something that we weren't doing than that we were doing, um, but you know never really bothered us too much and then but with this record the um, you know there's a number of things about it that that sort of were a different uh, it was a different approach for us in a few different ways and one of the things is that each of the songs is written around a specific Bible passage. And so right, it's, it the name. Made, it's in the name. It right? <laughs> exactly. So it made, it makes a ton of sense to, you know, be, be clear about that's what's, that's what's going on sort of with that song, especially because, you know, for those who are interested enough to sort of unpack the lyrics and the section that it refers to, the, 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 the they're not like, the, the, the lyrics are not transcriptions of the actual Bible passage. They are, you know, basically, uh, you know, sort of a filter through us of, of sort of the way that we're interpreting it. And so it wouldn't immediately be apparent to somebody that what the what Bible passage the song was referring to without having the title there to sort of guide them along. So, well, yeah. And, and harkening back to the other songs with, with just the numeric designations, uh, speaking as a fan, it always was interesting to be like, I, you know, try to explain. Oh, I really love that one song. Uh, what is it? Uh, tw- 27, I think it is. Maybe it's 29. <laughs> I don't know. There's definitely a 20. And, yeah. <laughs> I, I look, I, I'll, I'll cop to like from a listener's perspective, it's kind of weird, but I actually think it's, it's even weirder how instrumental bands end up frequently coming up with names for their songs. So if you want to, if anyone wants to go after anyone, I'd say come after us second for that designation and go after intermens- instrumental bands first. Uh, for arbitrary designations for uh... um, I'm sure it's not I'm, you know I'm not going to guess that it's arbitrary from their perspective but for, certainly from the li- listener it would seem to be no more puzzling than some band just deciding to give their songs sequential names sure sure and, and and that's also something where you know this seems very much tied in with the theme to a certain degree because even though these are names from hi- historical uh, set of allegories so to mm-hmm. speak, uh, you know, there, there are still numerical designations within it. So you haven't exactly broken format 
uh, <laughs> fully I, necessarily. You, everyone can feel free to interpret that from what they want. The thought had never occurred to me, but hey, you know, uh, I don't claim, I don't claim to have the full idea of what's going on here either. So maybe there's something to that. There you go. There you go. So and with these, with these songs, I, I believe the the conceit of it is that like these are the more uh, okay. So there's certain things that people of a certain religious belief tend to draw from this book mm-hmm. and, and reference often, but this, this is more of a study. Well, on the, for the songs I've heard at least towards the, mm, like the darker side, almost like sort of like lesser known sort of, Oh yeah. Did you know this horrific thing <laughs> occurs that is in this book that you, cl- you claim does this, this, uh, you know, pr- promotes this ethos that it, it's like, Oh yeah, this, this is, this is this thing of it laid bare. Uh, would, you, would you say that's an accurate statement? Uh, uh, yeah, I, to, to some degree. Um, I, you know, I, I would say at the at the core of it, the um, the motivation for deciding to write a record around a number of specific Bible passages is not primarily, you know, a literary or cultural criticism. And you're, you're here to write hits. Makes sense. You know. Well, I. <laughs> You know, what I would say is, you know, upon reflection, I think like the core thing of it is is that there's the type of themes that we tend to sort of gravitate towards as we write and play this music, you know, are are things that create that that create for us a a particular sort of, you know, emotional response, right? Like, it's like you hear something and you're compelled to sort of like, you know, just dig deeper into that. And as you're writing, it's sort of the same thing. Like what's the thing that we're sort of chasing here. And fundamentally, like for, for, for us, you know, or I'll, I'll even just sort of say for myself in the band, like, like getting in touch with that is the primary motivation of the band. It's not to, and, and I don't say this from a criticism of other people who who might take a different approach. It's just I recognize sort of what's the driving force behind us is to sort of get like get back in touch with sort of those particular feelings that we're chasing. And you know when I when I look back sort of on the on the on the sort of lyrical themes that we've connected to that, it's always been the, the lyrical themes have always been sort of like about trying to put into words some of the things that are happening in the music, right? Um, and what are the, what's the emotions that we're sort of trying to capture and that, you know, I look back and there's like some consistent themes through that stuff, like of like, I'd say so. Sure. Yeah. So, so I would, so like reflecting upon that, like this wasn't the intention from the start that we're going to start writing, we're going to be in a band and we're going to write music that has like always talks about like the lyrics are always going to be up this, this kind of thing. Or when we sit down like to, you know, write a record or put lyrics to it, like it's not usually a like trying to map something out to go there but it's instead just sort of trying to find words that fit well in a number of different ways inside you know what's happening in the music and so when i i happened i'd sort of embarked upon this project of reading the bible cover to cover a few years back and as i was about a third of the way through it i realized that a lot of the sort of like a a lot of the emotional themes in the music seemed to fit well with a lot of the language that I was sort of coming across reading the Bible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like, you know, so that this like sort of like, you know, voice of God and like sort of preacher stuff, like it's just, it just has a compelling sort of has a really interesting sort of like narrative voice to it. And 
So, like, at a certain point, it, it, it made sense to sort of be like, why? In my mind, it was like, wait a sec. Like, I, and a lot of the themes and the stories that were coming across here sort of fit well with the type of stuff that we normally, that we sort of normally gravitate to in the band. Um, and so that's been the primary motivation of just trying to sort of like tie these things together, you know, nevertheless, right. Like I, I have my own opinions about like, sort of like, you know, the, the things that I say that the record's not ty- entirely about as cultural criticism, literary criticism in the book. I'm somebody who grows up in a, you know, Judeo Christian society. And I look around at the impact of what, how I interpret a lot of that stuff. And like, yeah, some of that filters into the, to the record, but I guess I, the final thing I just sort of say is like, I'm not, I don't want someone to listen to the record with the idea of like, oh, let's go hear what these guys think about religion. Because like, it's just, I don't find it's a compelling, and it, it isn't, isn't the primary motivation of what we're doing at all. And I, from a listener, it's not the final compelling thing that I'm drawn to a band to do is to sort of hear what, hear what their thoughts on religion happen to be. Right. Sort of like just a very face value. Here's the thing. This, this is the, <laughs> this is the outline. Here's, here's the hypothesis. Uh, more just taking that as an interpretation that you you hit on something I think is fascinating. You said you read it, you read in preparation for this. You read the Bible cover to cover. There's, it's not. Hmm, I don't think as a <laughs> as a book, it's necessarily built for that. There's a couple sections that are that uh, from from as a reader. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. They kind of drag. Like it's 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 pretty pretty rough business. So how did you find that experience? Did you did you find it to be mostly worthwhile? Did you find it to be uneven? No, no you shouldn't. Nobody should do that. You shouldn't. It's don't do don't do that. It was. I mean, if if like if you're if you consider that as a challenge for yourself and it's a fine thing to go through, but like right, uh, you know, as an adult, I would say do not to any other adult don't waste your time like slogging through. Do, doing this law because yeah you're right there's a lot of it that's just not it doesn't make for interesting <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's just that this you know it, there's hardly even like a narrative there at all like it's kind of it seems almost like slapped together and, and and then there's some you know there's some that seem to be like legitimately interesting as like you know a work of fiction or if, if that's your thing as something to you know get a some morality tale or a parable out of but it's it's <laughs> it's it's almost akin to <laughs> I got in like a guided by voices record or something. There's just a lot, <laughs> and some are definitely worth your time, and some you can skip, and your 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 life will always be better for having skipped them. Yeah, From my no, I, I I I um I, I would say yes. That there there are pieces of it. There are certainly pieces of it which like are I think you know make for valuable reading. There's a lot of it which doesn't. You know, but then there's, and I think this harkens back to probably the initial thing that you were sort of getting at. Um, there's, there's a lot of really bad stuff in there, and I, and I'm like, right, that, that seems to be pretty self-evident to me as a reader and as somebody who's like, you know, puts the book down and says, like, what's the lesson that I'm supposed to, that someone wants me to draw from this, and like some of that reflection is then ends up you know, bearing out in the selection of the stuff that we picked for the music. But like a lot of the music that we, or a lot of the, you know, the sort of emotional themes that we investigate with the band are the really sort of dark things. And they're really kind of unpleasant things to sort of like experience. You know, a lot of it is, it's a lot about violence. It's a lot about desperation. These are, you know, and I don't like, I consider myself a pretty well-adjusted person. I'm not compelled to like, 
wallow in that stuff in my day-to-day life or, or drag everything else sort of into that thing. So when I come across passages in this book that like are really like bad, bad stuff, like, yeah, it seems to fit well with, with the sort of like, you know, almost unpleasant abrasive side of the music that we're compelled to make. But I don't, <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't want to build a worldview or like, a, you know, a, a set of teachings around that stuff. Some of it's really, really fucking terrible. And yeah. like, it's, you know, it's bad news. So yeah, a lot. So some of it's good. Some, a lot of it's really boring and just doesn't, and isn't worth reading. And then some of it's really bad. So well, that's why don't spend any, don't spend your time reading the whole book. It's, a, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's not, not, yeah, and as far as a read goes, maybe like not the most compelling read at points. But then there are this stuff of it that, that's uh, that's fascinating. So, like, did you setting criteria ahead of time of like, hey, okay, we'll we'll pick the this many things from this to write songs about? You know, kind of limit it down. Do you do like an elimination round that some songs <laughs> not make it? Like, what's no? I mean, I I like it really. It really wasn't until I was about a third of the way through the book, and it took me like three years to write to like get through. Like I would, I would For definitely that, yeah. take breaks and, and go read other stuff. But um, I was probably about a third of the way through before I came up with the idea of being like, oh, you know, this actually, some of this stuff actually might w- make its way way well into sort of the lyrical content of the band. Um, but like even before that, I just sort of was keeping some post-it notes of like. Yeah, just that were kind of like what the fuck post-it notes, right? Like, like what is gotcha. like, okay, like what is this passage about? Like, and, um, part of it, and part of that maybe was just a way to keep myself like engaged in the read because again, it's a lot of it's a lot of it sort of isn't particularly interesting. So, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe if if the author of the book showed up and felt like I was being unfair, unfairly critical of you know <laughs> his or her book, should, they might say, you know you were really kind of reading this thing with, with trying to do a little bit of a hatchet job on it. And maybe I would come, <laughs> maybe I'd cop to that, but you know, and, but again, I'm, I'm not, you know, to your point, it's, I'm not going to sit here and say that the whole thing is like, you know, is just this, is this tome of awfulness. Like there's, there's some fine stuff in there, but, um, right. But yeah, but anyway, so, so anyway, I, so then at the end of the whole thing, I went back and I counted and I had made about a hundred and, 50 or 160 of these what the fuck post-it notes and mm. then like okay. so then i went back and i just sort of made a list of what those all were and then at some point then it yeah it does become a little bit of a question of like which of these things seem you know seem to have have a story in them that that would be worth investigating like from the band you know again from the sort of perspective of like meeting these themes that the band tends to do i i I don't want to i feel like i'm giving a bit more of a tortured explanation to it like some of this it's the first time i've talked about it so i'm just sort of putting into word the process that i sort of lived through but part of it's also like i i don't want it to seem like it was really like there's a way to be glib about this, which I, I'd like to think that we weren't. And, and, you know, to just sort of say like, yeah, we picked the most fucked up stuff and just like made a metal record about it. And like, yeah, <laughs> fuck you, God. Like, no, no, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hear, I definitely, I hear what you're saying. And, and I definitely appreciate the exclusive because it is a fantastic record. And I think it's, it's one that merits quite a bit of thought. Some, something you, you touched on earlier, I think would be, I, I just want to say it's, I think it's a hilarious idea of of the author of said book showing up and their primary motivation being to uh, call you up to uh, bitch about your 
your your take on on the material. That's I, that's that's a that's a Netflix show waiting to happen. Frankly, I yeah, I, <laughs> I I I think it, it's probably more likely that that like you know the, some people who have given some like serious and like and probably more scholars, you know, or, <laughs> or, or, or yeah. Yeah, again, like, you know, and there are people who have had much deeper thoughts and analysis on this from all perspectives sure, than than, the, than, the, than me in the in the band. And I only say that, you know, again, I'm not saying that to beg off of, like, the the value of, I think, what we've created sort of resulting in this. But I'm, but I'm also just, you know, I'm not also imagining that we're delivering the final word on this. But it's, I could, again, could imagine somebody, so it's not going to be the author of the book, but I could imagine somebody who's like, yeah, you know, you know you're, you're really taking uh, sort of a, a jaundiced view of this of this book. There's another way to look at it, and you know, just broadly speaking, I would be like, yeah, you know, there's lots of ways to look at it, and ours is certainly one right, of them. Right, right. So, yeah. So, uh, so on that, the song that I in- introed before I put you on, uh, what can you tell us about that? About it? Was it Two Kings? How do you even? How do you even? I was trying to figure out how do we even announce the song. It's Two Kings, twenty five. One through seven. I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure if we, you and I, could dial up a televangelist and get it, get it, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, delivered exactly. to us right now. <laughs> uh, so, you know, the the other, I would say another thing that, that was a bit of a shift for us is we're is like, I think we really tried to, um, like push the music into a place that was, or push ourselves into a place that was, a, that was uh, a bit more narrow than mm. I think the previous releases in lots of ways had been like, you know, the, especially the longer records we've done so far, I think like intentionally sort of like give themselves some breadth of moving from areas that are sort of more, you know, open and melodic, you know, as opposed to stuff that's like sort of more, you know, kind of hard or, or abrasive stuff. And then in this record, I think we really tried to make the music just be a lot more like where there were, there were opportunities to sort of like, you know, lighten up or vary things out or just, you know, continue to tighten the screws. It was always continue to tighten the screws. Um, and so that was kind of challenging because I, I feel like, you know, you don't, I, it's tough to not get repetitive or it's tough to create music that ends up feeling formulaic rather than is driven by a particular, you know, again, you know, an emotion, some emotional content. And, you know, so I would say in a way that that song that you played is like, you know, kind of like the, the deepest in, in like whatever those crevices are, because it's like, there's just parts of it that are like approach, you know, kind of white noise from uh like it's, it's pretty brutal. It, you know, yeah. It's just like, you know, it's it's like there's like just sixteenth notes of just the same thing coming at you again and again. I think the record I think the song clocks in like 155 beats per minute or something like that. And like that I think is it, and so, like I've listened to a, a bunch of music that's that is like sort of over in the realm of white noise or or is just sort of like you know, everything's totally in the red and it's easy. I think from a listener, or at least for me, from a listener's perspective to just have that lose you because you feel like there's no, like, um, there's no sort of like connection to it. It's just like, 
if hey, what if we did something where everybody turned everything to 11 and played everything as fast as they could as hard as they could for five minutes right like <laughs> right that, that that actually doesn't strike me as like deeply as some music that as music that that is a little bit more varied than that so so approaching music so sort of writing a song that's like as where as there's as that much stuff in the red as that song is like i feel like is it's easy to to sort of to fall off and and i i, I don't i think that that song kind of didn't and i think that and i think we're we feel comfortable that the record sort of didn't that it still stays in the realm of like it's being driven by a real sort of human emotional content but it's it is definitely more kind of painful to sort of from a listening perspective than anything we've done so far and i like it i'm happy with that right and it's uh, as far as sequencing goes you know it's a, it's a third record out of six so by the end of it it's like you're right <laughs> you're right at the midpoint of the record and yeah third so song out of six yeah yeah correct exactly okay. yeah 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 <laughs> and it's it's something where it, it's 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 a bold choice to just from a sequencing standpoint to put it there because that's I mean, I, I suppose it depends on the ethos and the uh, and the artist, but it's it's usually not uh, like a, like a sensory overload song that would go in that spot. Usually, I mean, I guess it would depend again, artist to artist. But in general, that's a, a different choice uh, as far as as telling telling the story of the record. You know, I, I, I can hear that. I would also say that there's not much dialing back from that, though, that happens like across yeah. the rest of the thing. I mean, the, the, the other song that we that we put out um, prior to this is definitely, I think, the most, you know, as far and away sort of the most uh, easy listening of any of the things on the record. <laughs> and that, <Right>. yeah, <laughs> that's that sort of starts it off. And so I feel like that, you know maybe if anyone wanted to sort of figure out like what's the story they're trying to tell it's like oh you know that, that there's probably some familiarity to that to people who like would pick this record up after listening to after just you know taking the needle off the last one and being like okay i can sort of see where they're going and then like the 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 following five songs just like take a hard right turn and don't come back um so yeah right. yeah yeah and so well so what's the <laughs> so what's the story being told in uh, Two Kings twenty five one to seven? Yeah, we you actually haven't you didn't address the subject matter. If that's something oh, that people need to research themselves, that's a fine no, answer. No, no, but no, no, I, I'm I, there's no. I mean, you know, if if we if we wrote the song and put the title on, like, I'm not gonna act mysterious, but like you gonna have to go figure it out yourself. Like, the, <laughs> I don't know. Could You'd be, be surprised about anything, how many dude. people do that, by the way. But yeah, <laughs> oh, whatever, whatever. You know, that, I, I that isn't that isn't what I'll do. I mean. So, you know, so that particular story is about um, is about you. You have uh, King Zedekiah who had been sort of placed on the throne of Jerusalem, uh, and was you know things didn't go very well for him as being the king of Jerusalem. Guy ends up deciding he's not particularly happy with Zedekiah as a ruler, uh, you know, and that the the gods at this point is always either, you know, in like or out of like with the Israelites and who's leading them and uh, whether or not he prefers the Judeans at any particular point. So at some point, God decides, you know what, I much prefer this guy, Zedekiah. I'm going to give him my blessing. So Jerusalem at this point pretty much falls apart. Zedekiah knows he sees he has to get out of town, so he and his family, he and his kids sneak out of town under cover of night. 
not being, you know, not being on God's side anymore. Uh, God tips off uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's whole. Uh, I think it's yeah, Nebuchadnezzar is the, is, the, is sort of the God who God chooses instead of Zedekiah. So Nebuchadnezzar is tipped off to where Zedekiah is, goes out and finds him, and then basically takes Zedekiah's sons kills them all in front of Zedekiah and then yeah. puts out Zedekiah's eyes. And then Zedekiah, like, I'm not quite sure what happens to him after he like wanders through the wilderness for the rest of his life or gets, you know, basically dies shortly after or something like that. But, you know, it's, it, it, so your lesson here is, you know, and I'm sure there's some idea of justification of, oh, Zedekiah was such a terrible king and went so far against the way of the covenant or whatever the hell he did wrong that it only makes sense that God would, take his mortal enemy and deliver Zedekiah to him and have him slaughter his sons in front of him and then put out all his eyes. So it's the last thing that he ever sees. Like that's, yeah, it seems, that's seems, totally, seems legit. Yeah. <laughs> totally makes sense. And, and like, you know, it's, it's just one of like the distillations of the part of, of the book where you're just sort of like, you know, what's like, what is the lesson that we're supposed to be getting here? And if, I, I did a little bit of like, you know, investigating of some of the commentary of this stuff after reading the book. And it's like, I don't think a lot of it's lost in translation. I mean, the King James version has been around for a while. And a lot of people point to that. Like, you know, people get that shit tattooed on their back all the time. So I think we can say <laughs> that the the source material is to, to be taken at the readers, you know, to some degree, the readers face value. And there's sure. the, there may be parts of of you know um what's the word i'm looking for metaphor to be drawn out of like particular parts of the book or you know and maybe job wasn't swallowed by a big fish or what or, or you know we read the psalms for their lyrical whatever but like this part is pretty clear like the the guy with the guy's sons were all killed in front of him while god is whispering in nebuchadnezzar's ear like yeah now 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 put his eyes out right like and like I it's really is a sort of like what is the fucking lesson that we're supposed to learn out of that? Well, right? the, I, and, yeah, it's like the lesson I would get is that you know God has the petty allegiances of like a seventh grader with a <laughs> with a petty vindictive streak because it's 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 so over the top. You're, you're you're like like wow, like really like you're just <laughs> just okay. You just woke up today and decided hey. To, to, that guy's that guy's done, and then also his entire his entire family, and uh, that's how I feel today. Yeah, and 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 I mean, I I, would, I think you know, I, I'm not again, I, I'm I'm not interested in getting into a theological debate, which I understand you're not asking me to engage no, in. No, but the, no. the the step that I take back from that is not like okay, like so so let's assume for a second that this wasn't actually what happened by by god right right not a documentarian style yeah uh, exactly in fact in fact this is a this is a this is a story that's being told as part of a religious text and tradition that is supposed to instruct the reader about about the way that the world is and how we're supposed to understand it and what's okay and what's not and like i don't I, I'm not comfortable with that as, uh, as, you know, to put it mildly as, as, uh, <laughs> as, as an, as a lesson that I'm comfortable getting and yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not interested, you know, I was, I was going back in terms of interpretation. I'm not interested in parsing through somebody's like, well, the way you need to look at this story is actually like, that is just like off the table at this point. And I say that just because there's so, there's like so much that happens, I think where people take readings of, you know, it's it's not unfair to read that story at some face value and sort of get the idea of saying that, like, 
it's fine to engage in what is in the moment absolutely morally reprehensible behavior for the sense of some greater abstract good that mm. you're that that you're actually serving you know where uh and so go you know sometimes you know, we're gonna have to just do terrible 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 things because there's a greater purpose that's being served here and i'm willing to say that like i'm i have not yet encountered the ethos where it, like i'm willing to be like yeah you know totally slaughter people's sons and put their eyes out in front of them and that is like because <laughs> yeah i mean because because greater good right I mean, because it, it it almost to me it almost and again I I don't want to belabor just this point necessarily it's not in the format but it almost does seem like a like a distillation of chaos theory, right? Just the idea that like <laughs> the most terrible thing in the world can happen at any moment in time and it can be far worse than you even thought it could be and that's just the way that the universe works. So uh, you know, and and that almost seems like a to me, like a lesson in amorality, uh, <laughs> but and then again, I guess it depends on the interpretation, right? And it's it's interesting to think of these when these people are are writing these things down. Like what you know, one would imagine that for because for some of these, it was just the 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 person, the author of those bits of it giving their thoughts, but some of it, it was like, these are stories that were around, right? right? It was exactly. it's basically a historical record of some sort. So he got like, what did that look like in reality? Like, what was that? Was that, uh, you know, it, it just, it just seems so absolutely brutal. It's like all of the smite with like, none of the, uh, <laughs> none of the nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, especially in that last part, I, I would say like, I, I definitely the similar thoughts have occurred to me that some of this might be somebody writing something down to deliver a lesson to an audience. Some of it might be somebody taking the time to put pen to paper of a of an oral tradition um, in either case. And again, you know, there are biblical scholars who I'm sure can be who may be rolling their eyes as they listen to me saying this. I'm sure that's really happening. But um <laughs> <laughs> who you know who would you know who may say like there's a context to this story that you're ignoring there is a yes it is sure, sure. it is an oral tradition or yes we we know we know so much more about that passage than you're sort of than you're g getting into here and i think to a certain degree like i'm i'm open to understanding more about that but i think it's totally it's it's a totally legitimate thing to say like i'm i can i'm an adult i can read a i can read a story here I can understand that this is being presented to me as the text of a religion, and I I can can stop that far enough into this and sort of begin to draw some lessons about what I'm being presented with. So, well, yeah, because it's almost I mean it's not it doesn't seem like it's necessarily approached from like a strict documentarian uh, standpoint with with the song interpretation, but it's definitely allegorical without being judgmental or, or let's put it this way any judgment that would be there would be implied in the source material and it's sort of just laid bare as this parallel uh kind of way of understanding and, and presenting it in 
a format that I think it's fair to say that the people that were writing that down had no idea would exist in the future. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I imagine the idea of, of, you know, maybe some of these things, I'm sure a lot of them are, you know, were things that were originally put to song. And so they, you know, they may say, actually, it does lose something in translation when you, when you sort of put it down. But the, the core point of what you're saying, I like, I, I feel like is a really matches my sensibility of, of the final approach of this, which is not like it's, it would be, pretty boring and obvious for me to sit back and be like, you know, to end the song, like with me shouting out and that sucks, you know, or, or <laughs> right, like, exactly, yeah. isn't that screwed up everyone? Or like, yeah, the, 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 it should be self. I would think that anybody going back on reading through that passage would, would probably draw a lot of the same lessons that I would. And if they're not like, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try and change their mind about it. Right. Like, in, instead, the the reason of why those become the words to a song that we're singing are be, are primarily because they they do a good job of tapping back into the emotions that the music is is you know trying to sort of is trying to sort of really get deep into and investigate. Right, and, and that makes sense. I mean, was there ever any thought process when writing this material that you know both the the, the Christian mythos has both in a positive and negative manner, especially in like metal specifically uh, loomed large for a lot of different bands and acts and mm-hmm. almost cartoonishly. So both ways I'm talking about, you know, not just, not just wasp, but like, you know, black metal and like the church burning and all that. Mm-hmm. And, and coming from a place where previous austerity program stuff almost came from a kind of pissed off clinician accountant sort of like worldview mindset for lack of a better term that uh it it opens up like this whole new possibility of being associated with other acts that you don't hold any common cause for that maybe people are not going to be approaching this material with the same level of like you know academic interest but maybe taking things more in face value or just you know it, taking things in the most nuanced take possible. Was, mm-hmm. that, was that something that you thought about when crafting these? Was that something that ever came to mind? Was that just like, well, that's going to be collateral damage? Uh, you know, what 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 was the thought process there? Um, I mean, I, I guess I can say like it's a question of being honest about what your you know what your motivations are, and like uh, at least honest to yourself. And and I I mean, I really think to myself that like we've got. Um, like there, there is this sort of long dialogue of, of, um, anti-religion and anti-Christianity, right. especially in, in metal music. And then there's, you know, there's, and, there, and then there's some sort of just back and forth about that. There's, I, 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 from what I understand, there's some degree of like, you know, of, christian or religiously motivated metal music it, it, it then, does exist whether or not is uh, you know, <laughs> whether or not the art I'm, is for either of us is not the question it does exist. yeah it's yeah it's it, i mean i i back off from it just because it's something i'm not as familiar with and then there's you know when you get into the world of black metal there are or just like sort of especially european metal um there, there are people who sort of who filter the the interpretation of what they're doing through different, either religious or specifically anti-religious traditions, right. even getting yes. into people who, you know, talk about uh, Norse gods or, or any of these sorts of things. 
and and I that's never been a primary motivator to for me to just sort of be to be something to be involved in, like a dialogue to sort of be involved in um because it's like it's it's like there, it's just a back and forth of stuff that doesn't doesn't resonate with me and um i mean you know there's uh there's some pieces of that where like you you react to the content of what you're hearing of something that's done particularly well right like right. you know like some fucking awesome like riff where some guy just comes in with a huge hail satan and you're just like oh yeah you know and it's not that you're like you're channeling actually a satanic thing it's just like it's you know it's fucking culturally awesome right, right you're just right, like right. oh yeah but like or you know and by the same token i would say like there's a there's a lot of religious music not i haven't encountered it in the metal world but there's a lot of religious music both you know in terms of like classical style of music or in terms of like american music that i think is you know where people are are talking about or you know are sort of expressing the emotions that are trying to do in a very positive religious way and it's like you just it is extremely compelling because it is such a such a well done sort of melding of those things together right it's good um, it's good music it 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 comes from a place of uh, deep earnestness and beauty and like yeah. it's something where even if like you know this isn't normally my steez but i yeah. i can i can i can appreciate where this came from yeah and so like i'm being totally aware of all that out there it's just not a pool that i'm interested in sort of dipping my toes into which might be weird when you know <laughs> we're putting a record out that sort of says this but it just goes I'm, right right i know what you're saying I'm, yeah it's it's i mean the, the the primary interest is is not to investigate that stuff as a as you know a comment as a as the final commentary on it or certainly as an endorsement of any of it right like it's it is it's something that in my and the cultural milieu or whatever that I grew up in, I feel like people are going to sort of like hear the songs and they will investigate the, if they want to, they'll investigate the texts and it'll have like some of the meta commentary that I was making earlier that you and I were talking about, I think will become evident to people like that. But primarily if somebody had no sense of any of that, uh, and just approached the music and wanted to just listen to the lyrics, I think it would hearken like a particular, a story of just like emotional experience and sort of like human experience that should stand on its own without having to lean back on like the good or bad of the religion behind it. Does that, does that answer the question? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say from, the, from what it seems like you, you fellows are doing is, is your approach is almost like as a forensic scientist, uh, providing these allegories as sort of like an episodic construct as if you would, uh, you know, something to be consumed as like, let's say, yeah, streaming television series or whatever. And, and sort of, again, not, not necessarily documentarian because there's a lot of pathos and there's a lot of uh, tying into like the very real feelings that are being uh, felt by these potentially real, potentially fictional people. But it doesn't like seem like it's really adopting any, it, again, it doesn't really seem like it's adopting a mindset of pro or anti or anything. It's almost like a, like, like I said, almost like a, like a, if aliens were to come down and study culture, 
uh, kind of thing. And but they would be able to process certain things, and certain things would be like, oh, this is this is what this is, and this is something that we need to figure out. And and that's a different interaction than I find uh, most acts normally engage with. It's usually very much a pro or anti bias, and. It, that's something that it's again the question I think I asked you was if you had any reticence towards engaging with that world at all because you now have I mean that is now <laughs> this is now a thing you're you're you you have put this forward and uh, you know we've yet to see if it's going to be something where it's just it's 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 taken as a piece of art within its own time if it's appears in some larger social construct but I can't imagine you're not going to get some people wanting to talk to you about it. Um, I'm, I, uh, I would say, um, Hey, I mean, honestly, between you and I, right? Like the, the audience that is gonna, that this is going to cross in front of is going to be very limited. Right. So that's, <laughs> sure. I, you know, I, I, I do not anticipate getting a phone call from the Vatican where they're like, you know, we, <laughs> we have to talk. Maybe, um, maybe, Hey, this Pope is surprising. Maybe this Pope I, will like true. it, you know, true. <laughs> uh, maybe you'll but, see the Pope with an austerity program t-shirt soon. Who knows? I, 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 that, that, that could happen. Um, I would, but I mean, I, what I'd say is like, it's, you know, at the 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 final piece of it is that it's is that you know we're creating something which is supposed to you know resonate with people in a way you know that that music can right and right it's it's a bold it's a bold <laughs> any which way you slice it and any any which position you're adopting and how you're choosing to present it it's you know it's it's a big swing <laughs> to be I, clear I, it's a big swing. I, yeah, but but at the, I mean, at the same time, I mean, I think that there are folks who want to engage in music as a way to who are compelled to engage in making music as a way to sort of like pri- potentially primarily or on the same level connect to something beyond the listening experience of it. So like, right. yes, you know, th- so people and some of the and like some of that is is extremely well done and you know is worth lots and lots of. Um, uh, you know, attention and merit. Like the the thing that immediately comes to mind is like thinking of like radical folk singers in the in twenty early twentieth century America who like you know were out there singing songs on picket lines and singing songs in union halls yeah, and yeah. singing songs in civil rights demonstrations where it was about music and and it, and they they certainly were musicians but they were creating a, a community experience that was in some ways more about the the message and the you know the political experience or the or the sort of cultural experience than maybe the, you know the 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 songs themselves like the the initial craft or, or motivation of the songs themselves so there's a lot of people who have done that very well it's just not what we do well like i think the thing we're most comfortable executing and it's some of this is really it's kind of been hard for me to sort of learn about ourselves over time like i've been really inspired by people who by a number of like political bands and um and it's just not not this thing that we do very well so if you know and maybe i would be inspired by someone's really brilliant execution of you know religious commentary if i heard such a thing it's but that's not what we're going to try and do well not, but, right yeah that makes sense and I, like i feel like it's 
you guys have a very you you've got a a a lane and path that you, you put forward that it's it's something that I think in its way is actually very inviting to the listener uh as long as they're you know willing willing to trust like the sort of more the nuanced take on things and the fact you know there's some things can be off putting like the like the song title thing is off putting for some people some people don't understand a band that isn't like a traditional drums bass guitar sure environment and that's just you know social aesthetic that's uh environmental training uh whatnot but but i think looking at it as someone who actually is you know very familiar with, with all the source material and but also knows your discography and like where you've come from on it it does seem very natural to me but like i said i chose my words carefully it is a big swing and it's something where you know is that going to be controversial is it going to just be something that this is you know, part of like the river of <laughs> what you guys have done. I don't know. We'll see. But it's it's very exciting because I definitely didn't expect it. Let's put it that way. And I say mm-hmm. that as a fan. And and that's and for me, that's a plus. And I think it's interesting that because uh, austerity program has been like, you know, God, how how long has it been since you guys put out the first record? I don't even freaking know. It's a uh, probably 2002 I think was when is when the first EP came yeah, out seven, I was going to say about seven, 17, 17 years yeah 17 years mm-hmm. and you know they've each had their own sound and feel and they've each done kind of different things and you mentioned you know specifically like you know some of them like there, there's more like you know space and uh, sort of uh, the way the songs developed and hit were different but with this one it's sort of it, it's interesting that previously speaking there was never like an ethos or, or concept to the to the songs themselves as a songs that would maybe have people coming in with preconceived notions and i think it's interesting that I, I believe you you've earned the cachet with with your listeners and with your fans to be able to be like all right let's you know fasten the seatbelt and take the ride on this one uh but you know it's it's not what it, again it wasn't what i expected at all. And I think that that's uh, fascinating. But it's not something that... I mean, there's a lot of things about a sturdy program that's not expected. Right? And so <laughs> I think with something with with that is is that uh, how much of that is just where you're wanting to go right then and there and how much of that is like, well, what if we try this? Like, how much of it is, is artif- how much of it is, is planned out and how much of it just kind of happens that way? Um, I, you know, it, I, it's tough to make the distinction. I, I guess what I what I can say is that, you know, the pace of what we've done, um, it's deliberate. It's very deliberate. It's a deliberate pace, I would say, from the outside. Yeah, and and I think that the well, if nothing else, I mean, if you look at the amount of material that we've generated over. for the amount of time that we've been around, like it's almost a joke that like in that, I think if we had been, if we had kept counting, we would be up to like, I don't know, 45 or something like that in terms of the numbers of finished songs of 46. And, and, you know, and then you compare that against like 17 years, like, so here's a band that like, you know, can't quite average three songs a year, but doesn't seem to want to give up. Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I recognize from a pace perspective, like that feels like it, it's, it, it is a little silly. Um, but 
like it's just sort of the the method that we've ended up that has been a part of the way that we've approached what we're doing and um you know so the the, uh, the as we as we sort of sit down as we get together to sort of like you know put a record together or you know write songs like it's there isn't there's nothing that's that's you know stated or written down about it but nevertheless like you know the 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 that level of a slow pace i think just belies that we are you know we have an approach to doing this that that we want to be i think we're really cautious that we don't want to do something that feels like a mistake um, and so, or the, and, and some people are really, you know, again, so other people, some people are really good about this. Like I'm, I'm not super familiar with guided by voices, but I still get the get reference that you got earlier. Like here's a band that's like insanely like, prolific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super prolific. And, and, you know, might not be willing to stand behind every song they ever wrote every night, but like, I think has no regrets about like being expansive and pushing themselves and sometimes making mistakes and sort of going on, just continuing to live along. Like, as opposed to something that might feel, I don't want to say cautious, but like more, um, yeah, more deliberate before pulling the trigger on things. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of revising and throwing out that we do when we write stuff, which is part of the reason why things take a very long time to do because there's a, there's just a lot of throwing things away. Um, but that's it's the method that suits us and that we I think have settled into. And frankly, I mean, I would even say with this last record, like, has yields for us the most satisfying set of results. Um, so I don't know if that feels like it answers your question, but it's I think it gives a little bit of the insight in terms of like why you know what's the approach that we take when we are, when we're sort of coming up with these questions for ourselves. Well, sure, and you know, as far as what's your metric, like, how do you how do you know what to throw away? <laughs> right i mean it's just something where it just doesn't you don't feel like it's up to snuff it isn't going where you where you think it's going because again the process has to be somewhat different um first of all I mean, there's just there's just fewer voices right sure <laughs> so that's part of it but also just because there has to be some uh methodology and work put into almost everything i would imagine right. because right. it's you know i don't know how the how, how do the songs start is it something that starts with with the guitar first does it start with like a drum beat first like what, what's um it's i mean i, I would say you know it's tended there have been different things over over time but you know it almost it will frequently start with sort of like the idea of like a baseline that's probably where 60 percent of the stuff has come from um but I would I would say like over the last say ten years I don't think that there's any core idea of a song that started off the writing process where the core idea has survived to the end of the song like it's the things that are built on top of it end up usually like getting rid of the initial piece that was that was there so it, it's not so much that there's like a that there's like a methodology or, or a metric as you're sort of saying in terms of like, of like what gets thrown away. It's more just sort of like a method of, of working on stuff that, you know, over time we've just gotten better and better about, about like taking a look at something and wrecking and just feeling like it doesn't end up making the final cut of like what needs to be a part of the song. Right. Uh, yeah. So, and is that, I mean, is that, is that something where, have there been many attempts that 
you thought it was going to be one thing and it just didn't quite do what it was supposed to be doing? I mean, how often does that happen? Well, I mean, like, I would probably say we demoed, I don't know, at least maybe three times as many core ideas as ended up on the records in terms of, like, songs. Like, they're, they're going somewhere, they're going somewhere, and then they just, and then they don't. And then there are the things that, like, just you stick with you and you can't leave alone. You're thinking about them when you're in the shower and you're thinking about them as you're doing other things during the day. And you, and like, you just sort of develop a mania and an obsession around a particular song idea. And then I don't know for, for us, it's like at some point, like it just kind of blooms. If like at one point, like something will just bloom in a song and like it, it really opens up and you feel like, Oh, you know, I can see like the pieces of this are fitting together. And, and there's something that is, that like is really there about it um and and that and, and that will usually be the point at which like in most of a song will like the, the final part of a song will get written and then there's a lot of going back and being like okay like so this cool stuff that just happened that really feels like it's the core of what we're trying to do here what around that stays what around that needs to change and what around that needs to go and it's like i said you know it's almost always that like you know what and this is a, it's like the hardest thing to do but you know what that like that initial riff, actually, that kind of sucks. Like, like compared to the rest it, of the thing, it thing doesn't make the cut. Out of it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're we're and so, so that's interesting. So when you get to those moments of of knowing that, okay, this is this is something worth sinking some work into. Like, does that have? Is it always? Do you have like a similar kind of epiphany with that? Is it like happen all at once, or is it something where you're like, oh no, this is going somewhere? Let's like delve into this. Like, I guess where I'm going at, and I'm going to use this analogy because you guys are you. How do you avoid the sunk cost fallacy? Uh, I, you know, I, I think experience is what gets it to you, right? Like, you just like it's it's easier to let go of something that that the final the you know the final place just doesn't feel like it fits right. Right. Even though you've been working on it for a very, very, very long time, when you when you have enough confidence in what you're doing, which is probably why, like, you know, there's an I feel more satisfied with the stuff that we've been able to do in recent years than I do going back to early stuff, because I feel like it would have it was harder at those points to let go of things that maybe needed letting go of. Excuse me. So. Do you, you think that's something that's been a process for you as far as just being the austerity program longer and like and doing this longer that you've been able to be, become less I don't know less precious for lack of a better term? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, or or I mean, it's just I, I feel like we're we're better about being in this band than we were like in, in lots and lots of ways like than we were a while ago because it's uh, you know we we just there's confidence in terms of the decisions we make. There's confidence in terms of like, you know, we're going to make a sort of change in our approach to things. And I think when you're, when you're earlier on, like it's easier to sort of be like, I don't know, is it like, is, are we changing what we're doing? Is this sort of changing the, the idea of the band? How does this fit well in terms of like, there's just nagging doubts that you can sort of give yourself. And I think over time, if you're, my experience has been is our ability to sort of be like, no, you know, we're, the results of this process end up creating something that feels really satisfying for us. So we should, we should trust in ourselves to sort of, that we will be making the right decisions along the way. And so if it really does mean a man, yeah, it sucks, but that part has to go. Like, it's okay. Like what, like what's going to come out of that decision and what's going to come on the other side of it is going to be something better. Um, 
then like, oh man, it really hurts to let that little riff go because it was so much fun and that's what started this whole thing off, blah, 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 like those things. No, it's fine. Just ditch it and, and, and keep going, keep going on, you know, keep going on with, with where this thing needs to go. Sure. And, and, and as far as, uh, and again, you often you have to excuse me because some of this stuff I feel like, you know, maybe ancient history as far as that goes, but you're a band that's, if not shrouded in mystery, like there, there's not, uh, tons and tons of this information uh out there but but how has how has your process changed like since since you began like with that like is it something where i mean obviously you know it can be a thing since it's been a thing now for 17 years but how how has that evolved how what have you learned from that um i you know there's i would say there's two threads to that one of them is that um the things that we use to uh, to cr- sort of create the music have changed a little bit. Like there's there's a fair amount of writing now that happens um, using Pro Tools as a way to sort of help sequence mm. ideas. Okay, uh, um, and that you know it's just it, like once you get, once you get the hang of it, it's a it's a much uh, it's a much more comfortable way for us to sort of like move ideas around and, and explore things than working on either just playing together or working, you know, with a, with a task game four track. Right. Um, and so I think that's been, um, so there's just, there's just some sort of things that allow us to be able to do stuff that we weren't able to do before. So that's kind of cool and satisfying. Um, but I would, I would actually say more to the point, um, is like, uh, like having to like coming being comfortable that there's like things that we d- are not going to do well and then are not really a part like there are things that we really <laughs> sure. like but th- it's just like the the best example i can sort of think of that is um there's a classical composer uh named i believe the way you pronounce his name is ervo pert but it looks like arvo part um and he like I'd sort of been aware of him for a while. And then I don't know, maybe about five or six years ago, I I listened to a record of his and I just became like super obsessed by him. And I like had a summer where it was like, all I wanted to do was just sort of listen to this guy's records. And I bought everything I could by him. And I just listened, listened, listened to it all the time. And I was really convinced that his, he, he like one of the, one of the distinctive things about him is he is a a master of minimalist music and a master of like space and um and just the sense of being able to move from the incredibly fragile to the incredibly powerful like like almost magically and I was convinced that like, oh my God, this is opening my obsession with this and my inability to sort of not listen to this music every single day of the week. It was really opening up a door for me in terms of like where our musical interests are, right? Like, oh wow, like this can totally, and it was like six months later, I was like, no, like (laughs) he's really, really good at that. And that's just not like, it's not a voice that like we have and the skills that he sort of exhibits and the, and the things that he elicits are just not what we're good at doing. And right. right, Yeah. Yeah. But you, you, you've, you found that and you know that, and you are like, yeah, confident enough in your own abilities to like, not have that be something that's, uh, that you would be willfully disingenuous to yourself. 
Yeah, or we or just fail about, right? Like, oh, we really need to do this. Like, I've been listening to a lot of these records and like or and there's there's other examples of music that I find just like super compelling and inspiring and like has just elements to it that are just like, oh my God, it's so, so good. And like, boy, that's just not what we do well. And it is it would be a mistake to sort of be like <laughs> be like, sure. yeah, oh, yeah. We're going to, yeah, we should do that too, because I listen to that and I really like it. It's So it's, that's something I, I actually think I've, I've totally been, that I've, I've grown into over time is being able to recognize, like, I get, I can love something and just want to like listen to it all day and find it very enriching and just like find it really like wonderful, but also recognize that like, that is not, it is not a hat that, that we need to, we need to go be compelled to put on. Well, yeah, and and that's something that you know I, I find fascinating, and I, I've always likened it to myself as being something that like, I feel like architecture is something I truly enjoy. Like I have my favorite architects. I have things I like to see in architecture that I find fascinating. But by the mm-hmm. same token, I don't feel a necessity to go out and uh, attempt to con- <laughs> to construct a church or a museum or something. Like it's something where I, I, it's like okay, it's okay for me to take influence from this and and appreciate it but realize that i'm not the person to do that there's people that are mm-hmm. trained professionals that this is their art and it's okay to let them do that uh yeah and, and, and that's okay <laughs> it's okay to like not be not do everything right but but i, I would also think that like i think that's the from a from a standing back perspective and looking at like other crafts, that makes sense. I, I guess when I guess when I was younger, I had this assumption of hearing like a band like like the band Low is a really interesting example of this. That I would find that there were people who like made really like music that didn't seem to have a lot in common with Low at all, mm-hmm. and um, you know, really heavy, really loud, really aggressive music, and people being like, "Oh man, like we're really like you know, I'm a huge fan of." of this band low and who and I, I from the little i know about them i think that they have some sort of like there's a similar affinity on their side as well in terms of like you know they every band that or, or their musical tastes you know extend beyond just the very in some ways specific sandbox that they that they tend to operate in right and I think I made them made the mistake for a while that there's that thinking that there's just some sort of there's some common thread between those things that like connects them and it's um, and I just don't think you have to sort of see about things that way like it's totally fine to be to like in the world of music to find appreciation and you know and actually I you know as I may I don't know if it's getting older or if it's just getting like I just find it a lot more interesting like people whose tastes extend beyond and appreciation and and enjoyment extends beyond the things that they themselves are really good at and, and in some ways seem like super duper off the charts from what they're from what they're really good at um i think that that's can can be evidence of uh you know of, of a real um you know of a, of a love and appreciation of music that i find you know is one that i want to cultivate in myself but again you know being clear to myself about where that applies to what what I'm good at and what I'm compelled to sort of create, you know, as a musical artist, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So how does that reconcile with the aesthetic choice and uh, compositional choice of having a drum machine? Um, I was so... Um, Having a drum machine, I would say, 
like felt like a totally legitimate choice when we started creating music that that felt like it dovetailed well with the fact that we didn't have any drummers around that we knew. Um, <laughs> and this is, you know, this goes back to Occam's like, razor, right? <laughs> well, I mean, a little bit, but like, I know that like some people will be compelled to like, you know, um, would be compelled to sort of approach a drum machine. Cause they're like, you know, there was no one around who played drums and like, it's a little bit of that, but it was, it's also like there were, there's drum machine music you know the the uh, you know it might be obvious the mo- the clearest example for me when i was growing up was big black yeah, but al- yeah but also also hearing um you know the first bastro record which had a drum machine mm-hmm. on it yeah. the, the first jesus lizard record yep. had a drum machine on it there were just a number of things out there that at the time it just sort of seemed like well you could do it that way or you could do it this way and if you do it this way you have these things that are available to you and so you can do that if you want. And, and like just that, the sound of like a running 16th note bass drum, like the digga, 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 digga with like, you know, coming out of a, out of a, you know, particularly gnarly sounding drum machine. It's just like, it's such a cool thing to me that I'd be like, well, I am totally fine having that be a part of the palette. Um, and then it's just something that we've, that we've stuck with over time to the point that like, yeah, there's a there's a lot of this stuff that we play now that that isn't you couldn't you like there's more things being hit than a drummer has on right like, it, it, exactly time. there's certain things that you can do with a drum machine that a, a human <laughs> with modern technology could not possibly do yeah and and that allows for compositional opportunities it would, it would yeah yeah, no, it, it it definitely does, and I, and I think we're it's just steeped well enough in what we're doing that that's that I'm totally fine investing, like just sort of living, continuing to live in that world. Um, you know, I think the thing that is um, the only kind of downside to that is I feel like um, being you know watching a band play music with a drummer is creates a particular sort of physical experience, you know, from a live band audience perspective that is tough to capture with a drum machine. Um, and I can't exactly say why that is, but right. Like, I mean, I feel like the, the playing back, uh, a recorded sound in front of people is just not, I, I, again, I don't know exactly know why this is. It just doesn't, uh, it's got, it, it's, it's a lot farther back from the starting line than watching somebody make that sound right in front of you. And that, I think that that translates to DJing. It translates to yeah, most yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, so, so for me, and again, uh, kind of approaching the material first uh, from the perspective of fan and listening to the records and then being like, Oh, I wonder how this is going to be like live. I found interesting that, <laughs> you know, you guys come rolling in with these gigantic cabinets and like just mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, this, oh, 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 okay. And then there, there's this uh, imposing monolith of sound. And what what happens is that it's you know it's very forceful. And like when the drum machine's mm-hmm. coming, it's not like it's a oh this is something that's quietly in the background while karaoke's going on at the bar next door and right. that is just as loud. No, it, it's it's you feel it. Right. Like you like you feel it in your in your in your guts, and I thought that was, well, 
I, I thought I thought that served the music well and serves the music well, but it was something that I'm like, oh yeah, of course not. Why not have it have it be louder? But but that's a right. huge that's a big pull. I mean, that requires logistical concerns that um you know, I mean, let's not put too uh, fine a point on it. You get you, you know, you're based out of New York. Yep. Right? I mean, getting from point A to point B as a human being it might be relatively easy with public transportation or whatnot, but if you're hauling cabinets after cabinets after cabinets right. like that it, it's a concern right yeah I, yeah but i mean i like i you know this it comes from a very sort of basic like realization which is just like you know loud music can be really really fucking good and be and one of the things that i hope that we can do well is that um is that the volume that we present the music in, in a live setting um, helps to sort of create a, a more clear idea of what the, of sort of what this experience is that we're trying to create and what the sort of emotional responses we're trying to get. And that might sound like it's an obvious thing, but I've actually, I hear, I know a lot of like aggressive and very dense music that, that like, just washes out when it gets to a particular volume level. Right. Yes. And, but I think if we can capture a certain amount of space in what we're doing and, and we can capture a certain amount of like dynamics in what we're doing, the, the, the volume, the sense of volume becomes just part of the experience of, of watching and being, you know, being in the room with us as we're playing that. And, so while we don't have the physical experience of a drummer to sort of like engage with as an audience member, I, I, I'm not trying to beat like I'm not trying to drown that out by turning everything up to eleven, you know, and hoping people don't notice that there's no one up on stage who's hitting <laughs> who's hitting drums. Right. But like, if we can get into the room and play in front of you, and it's really loud, and in a way which is like where it's well balanced, and and you know the the sounds of what we're doing are clear. That's part of the reason why we bring everything in, why we bring as much shit along as we do, because it's easy to play through a shitty PA and really loud with a with a very dense drum machine, have everything wash out, and just the whole thing is just this like white noise smear, yeah. which yeah. which. Some people are trying to create that when they're creating a live music experience. And we're just not, I want something that feels very, very like that. I want to create an experience that seems very clear to people that seems very distinct. And like when it's fully raging, it's fully ranging. And when it's just, you know, when it's just the bass drum, it's just the bass drum. I like, I want you to know what's happening around you and feel it like inside every, to the last synapse in your body. That to me is, on the path to creating a really like memorable and uh, you know musical live experience. Yeah, to have that that clear separation as an aesthetic choice rather than just like a, you know an accident of uh, of sound or <laughs> or available gear. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And and so to the point that it creates that it creates some ridiculous logistics around it. At some point, you have to develop a sense of humor about that and be like, yeah, man, we're like, we'll show up inside clubs with a two by 18 subwoofer and people will be like, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing with that thing? And it's just like, yep, we're, we're you know, people want to make about, you know, want to make 
uh, jokes about, you know, lack of concern or, or, or lack of confidence in our physical endowment or whatever. Like, fine, whatever. I recognize it. It's totally silly that two people bring this much shit around with them in a way. But, like, when it's all plugged in and it all is locking together and we can play the music and it sounds the way that we want it to, it's all – I'm willing to be silly to sort of get to that point. To, yeah, to, to achieve that goal. And that's something where – you know, it it, it kind of seems like from from an outside perspective, it seems like what you guys do as a band when you bring it to different places, it, it seems like that is as calculated as the music itself. Like when when you have when you're taking the the time and what what they call it, opportunity cost, right, <laughs> to go do something, it seems like that's very well calculated out to like make sure that like it, it achieves something. And that it's it's you know it's worthwhile for wh- whatever reason, uh, which may not be immediately apparent to everyone, but you know I tend to pick up on that kind of thing. And I, I, what I would imagine is just based on the fact that you're, you know, adult human beings with jobs and lives and things along those lines, is you probably do not get the chance to. There's plenty plenty of stuff that you can't do that you would like to do. And is that something that um, you know you, you just like? get sanguine about it is that something that you do you do you wish you could do it more like what uh what's the mindset um, so i, I want to make sure i'm understanding the question you mean in terms of like by by sort of forcing ourselves to in, into the box of like of having to like jump through these hoops to create the thing that we're interested in creating that it that it sort of it makes it difficult to like sort of get it enough done that like it limits our ability to be flexible about like where we can just you know right. pop up and just play a show. You, you can't just you can't be super flexible and just yeah hop on, <laughs> hop, hop on and do a thing extemporaneously that maybe like a, a band that just is you know can whatever play through any amp yeah. and like grab grab like the backline drum set and away they go. Yeah, yeah, no, I and I mean I feel like there's. Um, like it, uh, there's a part of me which looks at that type of at people who, who operate like that and, and think to myself like but you know that's there's obviously something that's enviable about that and, and they're like there's a they're in touch with some uh something you know something that's a little more core about recognizing what's important versus what's not and you know wow like they just yeah they just get in the car and they'll go do it and then there's another part of me that's just like, yeah, no, like, <laughs> um, this is this is how we're going to do this thing. And there's, you know, we're, I'm not, what we're trying to do isn't, we're not trying to just do a thing where we're just some people in a band who will play music anywhere or do anything. Like, there's a very specific thing that we're trying that we feel compelled to do here, and it's going to mean, in lot in lots and lots of ways that there's stuff that doesn't happen for us. Um, whether it's flexibility to pick up and just go somewhere and play a show or whether it's, you know, trying to play music that is painful and abrasive to most people. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's the thing that we are doing, you know, and, and it's, and it's, and so, um, and so it does create a rarer event but that's that's fine because that's the event that we're interested in in sort of trying to execute on right and so that's you know so by extension it's something where uh, i i know for a fact you have dates overseas that, that you're shortly going to be doing mm-hmm. which is something that uh yeah you you have done before right but it's it's been a while it's been a long yep. time uh not to you know not this isn't 
gear talk necessarily, but what are how do you arrange logistics for that? I mean, I can imagine you're not going to put all those cabs in your checked baggage. No, we're we're not. I'm and you know, it um when the first time that we uh well, I'm the only other time that we've gotten a chance to sort of um to play really far away was when uh it was about 10 years ago uh the band Isis asked if we could come over to Europe with them for about a week. And I remember prior to it feeling some, you know, some, uh, I don't know, trepidation or whatever, being like, yeah, it sounds like it'd be really cool and be great to play in front of all these people and uh, et cetera. But like, there's a, an aspect of, of what it is we're trying to do. That's not going to be available to folks because yeah, we're not bringing along all of our gear and we're not bringing all. And it's, you know, it's in some cases, like we're playing on stages that are going to be, that are going to be just weird, right? Like to have two individuals like kind of <laughs> hopping back and forth. Is this a comedy act? What's happening here? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, like they're the, like just playing in venues that were just much larger than we normally play in. And, um, you know, just it, like, wow, that's gonna, you know, there's part of me that really felt some trepidation about that. And then I remember like, on the plane on the way back afterwards being like, I cannot believe there was ever even a doubt in my mind, like that this wasn't going to be the best idea in the world to do because it's like, right. You get to go far away and play music in front of people. And yeah, they're not going to get the, what they would get, you know, down the street in New York city, but it's also like, we're, we're getting to go do this. And like, we're, we're getting to go. It, it, there's enough of the essence of what we're trying to do that it clearly got through to some people and they really, they really connected with what we were doing. And and we didn't finish those shows going like, yeah, thanks for the applause, but what you should really do is come see us play some shitty dive and, you know, in a basement in New York with 20 people <laughs> and we'll show you. Right. Then you'll really see what's up. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, um, it was fine. Um, you know, but you know that said, when we are when we have our uh, the ability to sort of do things on ourselves, like you know, yeah, we rent the thing, we rent the trailer, and we bring all our shit along with us, and we, you know, we we do it in a way that is, if we, you know, it's the best way that we can think to do it if we have the opportunity to do so. But it doesn't need to be like that every single time. But I mean, you don't, yeah, but you don't feel like it was necessarily a half measure uh, to, to 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 do it that way. It's just something yeah. where. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a slight trade off just from logistical concerns. Yeah, yeah, and I mean there are there are some folk for whom, uh, I, and maybe maybe it's a spectrum of things, right? Between like a, um, I'm thinking of the band who we played with recently uh, called Dalek. There oh, right. are yeah, a, yeah. Are, so they're a rap band, and the two guys in in that outfit, like one of them was giving me, and I, I, I have a lot of fondness for both of them. I, I love their music. I, they're very great people. They have a really great sort of independent spirit. Um, they, you know, one of the guys is giving me a hard time. He's like, yeah, you know, this is, that's how like we're able to do some of these crazy jaunts that we do because this is my gear. And he's like holding up his backpack because they have like, you know, a series of like laptop MPC iPad things that they just string together and they'll plug it into a club PA and then they'll just go for it. Um, and so you can get them in all sorts of different ways and places. 
um, and still get the essence of what they're about. Con- contrast that with a band like, you know, let's say Guar, right? Like, where... <laughs> right? They need a trailer full of of, of well, uh, props and uh, pumps and yeah. <laughs> and, and part part of the whole thing of going to see them is getting sprayed with right. like That's alien the or whatever, right? right yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 like it would it just sort of wouldn't make sense to go see like the dudes in Guar like hop on a plane with Dalek and you know, maybe their guitars and they're just and, there as dudes and yeah, just get up and, and like rip through scum dogs of the universe or whatever. Like I think every, everyone would sort of feel like, you What's know, there's, so, there was something that there that was missing, which is not to, you know, I'm not, it's not to diss on Guar, you know, Oh, you know, Guar really needs all these things around them to make, to make their music any good. No, their, their whole idea of what they're doing is about all those pieces fitting together. And when it does, right. it's insane, you know? Um, and so we're, pro- you know, we're somewhere between those two camps of the, of the way to go about, you know, what it is you feel like you got to do. Are there any other bands that you feel are kindred spirits that have that sort of experiential element that maybe requires some degree of context or um, specialty? I mean, I, I don't, I, I, there's like, uh, you know, there, there are a number of bands who I think have a, who you see executing on a, on an idea really clearly. Right. Um, and it's just, it's just obvious when you see them live that they know, they know what and how they're doing the, 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 the example that pops in my mind, although I'm sure if I think about it, I can think of lots more. The, the first example that comes to my mind is the band Young Widows. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Who they just create, I think, in general, and then frankly, for me, Justin Foley specifically, just this like live experience that is really specific and really unnerving in terms of how well they can just nail it. Um, and for, for them, part of that is, um, I've seen them a lot and I've seen them on good nights. I've seen them on actually on maybe even a, a night or two where they were just off because there was just a whole bunch of weird shit going on. But I mean, overall, like, I feel like anytime that I'm in a room and I, and I see them playing and they they have a sort of way that they present themselves with lights they have a way that they present themselves as they dress they have a way that they sort of look as individuals and it just meshes very well with the music that they're trying to create that it is frankly unnerving to me um right and and so like that's you know they're there's there's an object lesson there that I think you know is worth studying and considering and it just reflecting upon like what is it about that that works that that affects me like as as well as it does and you want to sort of unpack that and and get into that um, you know and I I feel like almost like almost all live bands end up creating that experience and it's the way that they do it in the different pieces all really really powerful live bands it's the way they do it and the way that they create that experience that is um that sort of you know gives you that sense of like wow there's you know something happened there and it was specific and it was and it just drew me in um right but it it may it may not involve it may just be the way that the the people present the songs in the room with you but um uh 
you you remember the details of it, like in in just lots of you know in lots of specific ways. Whether it's like you know the expression on like you know Dave Williamson's face as he was like ripping through a uh, uh, you know a Jesus Lizard song, or watching like you know uh, you know the, the interplay between like Ian MacKay um and guy guy gee i'm not quite sure <laughs> I, I believe it's gee yeah it's gee like watching the two of them go back and forth with each other like you know at a fugazi concert or watching shannon Wright like do she has a particular type of dance that she does as she plays guitar and like and i in just low top converse and they're like you don't remember like it doesn't need to be sometimes those things maybe to, to make that experience happen but you remember them because they're so um, yeah, they're so memorable. It's just part of the experience. I, I feel like I'm drifting away from your question a little. No, bit. no, that that absolutely uh, you are, but uh, in a good way. Like it was, it was as far as deviations go, it was, it was a very good one, and I, I feel like it. You certainly answered the intent, if not and not the letter of it, and, and that's <laughs> and that's something that I think is, you know, a lot of people would say that they enjoy those kinds of things without necessarily being able to articulate it in that way. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a very, uh, very erudite explanation. Uh, I I would feel remiss if we didn't talk about control burn records. Would you be okay with talking about that? Yeah, absolutely. So control burn records is first of all, where I guess, (laughs) I guess we can talk about if you want to buy this, this record that we've been been talking about, this pre-order pack available with t-shirts that have been re-upped. I might add, uh, that's, that's kind of like the best place to get it is the controlburnrecords.com website, right? At this point. Yeah. Yep. There, the pre-order will be available for another, I don't know, um, 12 hours or something like that. But then if, you know, <laughs> if, if anybody, so the live listeners on get on it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Please do. Or, or don't. Um, but, and then the, the record itself will be available, um, directly through control burn records next week. And then, you know, however people sort of, however they gravitate towards getting music that they, that they like to get. If there's a lot of people who like to get it on Bandcamp, it's available through Bandcamp. The one thing that's a little different this time is we actually found a record label over in Europe who is willing to distribute it, oh, which is really, okay. great. Which, it's really, it's just really nice because sending an individual record over to somebody in Europe is, uh, yeah, I think at this point is $25. Yeah. Uh, and the record is, you know, is 20 bucks. So you feel, then you feel like a total heel of saying to people like, is there anything else you want? Yeah. Yeah. You're you're thinking to yourself, like, I feel like, I feel like it's such a waste to spend $25, get something $20 shipped to you. But then you're all, they're also like, you know, you know, stop with the hard sell, dude. Like I just, I just want a record. Yeah. And and that's the thing is the the person in question just wants the record and they know, they know the, the cost is going to be to get there, but it does feel terrible when you're like, all right, well, I hate to report this, but it's going to be this much. And they're like, okay, fine. You know, I know. Okay. So so the good news is there's a record label over in Europe called throat ruiner. Who's basically agreed to accept, a whole shipment of a bunch of them from us, and then they will accept the European order. So that's the, at least the shipping is cheaper, cheaper, cheap, cheaper to people in Europe. Wonderful. Yeah. So, what about Control Burn Records? Would you like to know? About? So, so again, I, I know about it, but this is basically like a, a small scale co op record label with you and the guys from Nonagon. Correct. And uh, you know, it's something where those are. Those are two bands, a stereo program and Nonagon, that have very unique ethos and sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, and it's been, uh, oh boy, gosh, was it six years or something since you, since you started that? Is, is that, am I accurate about saying that? I, I, that sounds, that sounds about right. I think 2013. So yeah, six years. Yeah. We just, we just had our six year old birthday party. It was great. Oh, fantastic. So no, we didn't, I, I don't remember, but yeah, six years. Oh. <laughs> well, so did, how did this come to pass? How did, how did you decide that you were going to do this, you know, Marvel team up? Uh, between these two bands to sort of pool your resources. So, uh, so well, uh, John Hasty, who is the sort of lead singer and guitarist in Onagon, uh, is my cousin, and he has been, you know, for a long, long time, you know, had really been sort of a formative influence on me in terms of helping sort of shape like, you know, both musical tastes, but then also in terms of like understanding like the world of a punk rock community. Um, and so through our lives, like have, we've really sort of been in contact about sort of like what, you know, what each of us are doing. Um, the record label that the austerity program was on um, prior to control burn was a great, great record label called Hydra head records. Mm-hmm. Th- they in 2011 essentially stopped putting out new music. Right. Uh, um, and so we were at the point of not having a label for whatever the next record was that we were going to do. So, you know, we had sort of, um, used a lot of the things that you can do in a band as opportunities to sort of like learn how to do the things ourselves. So, you know, for lots of people that starts off at, you know, writing and just sort of like getting yourselves around and, you know, fielding booking questions and that sort of stuff, which I think are really common with bands, we also like developed a real interest in doing, you know, and learning how to record the music ourselves and like all the technical aspects of that. And then as more and more as the label as Hydrahead went on, we were taking on a lot of the, like, we, you know, we would just say like, we'll write the press release. We'll contact the, the, uh, you know, the magazines, we'll do all that sort of stuff. Which I think they they liked a because it was a little bit less work, but they also just sort of really appreciated people who like had an interest in sort of doing shit themselves. Um, so when they when the label when that label sort of stopped, we the austerity program was at the point of sort of saying like, well, what do we like? We can go and find another record label, but the relationship that we had with these pe- this previous label was a really unique and wonderful one. And it's going to be difficult to sort of top that. Um, so I talked with our, with, I had a conversation with John, a few of them, and was sort of like, is this the opportunity to just sort of go do this ourselves? And, yeah. and knowing that there were a number of downsides to that in terms of, you know, you, we developed a lot of the audience that we did because we happened to be on Hydra Head and we, and there were a number of jobs that are not particularly fun about putting out a record that were taking care of for us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, like, you know, we sort of came up with an idea with, with the guys in Anagam where we were sort of like, you know, this is, it still fits well with something that we can do ourselves. And if we can figure out a way to be self-sufficient and we do this, um, we can create something that we feel is, you know, shares some of the labor that we're sort of, you know, to have is required to sort of do this, but then also create something that we're, that we're happy to sort of look back and say like, Oh, this is, you know, this is another thing that we've created. And it's, and it's, you know, it's been a part of the bigger, of the bigger community that we're, you know, we're happy to be a part of. Um, so that's, that's, that was sort of the genesis of it. Right. And I, and I just, I pulled up the, 
Control Burden Records website, mm-hmm. as everyone listening live should do, so they can get that pre-order before it's gone. By the way, <laughs> but right. uh, uh, I, first of all, I was right. It said 2013, so good okay, on me. There you go. That's good not the you. most. That's not the most important thing, though. Uh, I think it's interesting that within the sort of the mission statement. Uh, I'm just going to read from this last bit here. It says, as we said in our Mm -hmm. agreement, we made to one another when we went in on this thing, the goal is to be small and successful. Successful means working efficiently, creating recordings that have lasting value, and being a proud part of the musical community. Yep. So small and successful is something that I I think that there's not, there's no biopics about small and successful. (laughs) You know, you know what I mean? Well, like, it's, it's, if, they're, if they are, they're small. <laughs> and unsuccessful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but I, I, I find that completely fascinating and, and laudable, frankly. Uh, because, I mean, achievable goals are good goals, right? It, it's good to have goals mm-hmm. that, to shoot the moon, but it's also good to be able to get out the house, too. Mm-hmm. And... From perspective, again, as an outsider for for Control Burn, it's like, well, what you've put out has all been very, very much quality stuff, and it's it, it seems as far as label pacing goes, somewhat methodical. It engaged mm-hmm. without playing the kind of games that a lot of record labels, who almost seem like they're trying to be lifestyle brands, mm-hmm. <laughs> now are, are trying to do. And, and it's interesting how much it actually completely matches the ethos of both bands. Mm-hmm. While being a unique thing in and of itself, and I, I, you know, do you get people trying to send you demos and stuff? Like, what? I mean, is this something where is it like, like how is the engagement with the world like? I because it's that's just not a thing that most most bands do. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm. So at the beginning, um, I think it was it was more common for people to sort of say like, oh, there's a record label, you know, do you guys are you guys interested in putting on my band? Right. And, um, which I, I totally get, like, that's how we, that's how we first reached out to Hydrahead and and lots of other labels. Um, and I think that there's, you know, uh, so the, the answer to that doesn't come from a, like, how could you, how dare you ask me such a thing? But the, the answer has always been, um, like, thank you, but no, because, the intention behind the label is a little different than most record labels because it's all the work is done by the bands that are on it. Right. And, and so one of the like ways that we would sort of open up the table of having another band join the label wouldn't be, wouldn't just be that like, Oh my gosh, you guys rock. We should totally put your record out. Um, But it's also like, okay, there's some sphere of work here that you, that you'll be able to contribute to doing. So, um, John is John from Nonagon is really, really good at helping manage the physical side of the label. Um, Robert Gomez from Nonagon is really, really good at, he's sort of developed the whole architecture for the label's website and sort of, and, and, you know, just built this incredible sort of back end to sort of manage the thing. I've, like one of the reasons why that took so long between the last record that we put out in this one was I literally spent about a year and a half to two years writing software slash accounting database because we 
we simply don't generate enough money to make it worthwhile to hire an accountant to do our taxes every year. But, <laughs> but Occam's we, razor. There you go. But <laughs> yeah, but so it's it's meant that like we, uh, you know, we produce our own balance sheets, we produce our own profit and loss reports, we produce we we fill out and file our own taxes, and like I had to develop the software to do that, um, and so. Um, like all of these, all of the pieces of this stuff coming together are being done by the people who are part of the label. So even like, even though we have had some bands who we really like, it would be weird to sort of go to somebody and say like, Hey, you want to be on our label? And they'd be like, yeah, we'd be like, okay, great. What piece of this are you going to pick up? Like, and people being like <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then, you know, and then, and then the other thing is like, where like, there's a certain amount of like, um, we both have specific and somewhat eclectic tastes when I say both, I mean, primarily John and I, um, and like, there have been a couple of times when each of us has approached the other and been like, I really, really love this band. What do you think? And the answer is from the other side has been like, I like that band, but I don't love them as much. And I, you know, I wouldn't feel like I would want to sort of like, you know, again, sort of have those people partner up. Um, so there's, it, I, I would appreciate from the outside if I was a band that like wanted to like get out and been like, oh, I really love both your your bands and we don't want to, you know, we want to be small and successful too. We should totally be on your label. I can understand why it might feel like not nice to have someone be like, thank you, but no thank you. Um, but it's really just because it's, it's, a, it's a work share piece and until it makes sense to sort of be like, there's work here that we can't do ourselves and, and there's, someone who aesthetically and then functionally is, is like a good enough fit. It's just going to keep trucking along with being the few of us who are, who are sort of already at the table to do this. The goal is small and successful, man. It's on the website. Yeah, I mean, I, I <laughs> the, the much more succinct way of saying of doing that is um, we printed up uh, 500 copies of uh, Beyond Calculation, the last austerity program record, and after uh, probably about two years, like we finally, maybe three years, actually, we sold the last of those. Right. Um, yeah. No, that's, and, I mean, which is more and, than a lot of bands do, you know, but by well, the same token, not exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a big success from the perspective of a band that printed up 500 records. It is, right. it is a real problem for a band that printed up 1500 records. <laughs> right. Exactly. It depends on scope and scale. Correct. I, I would imagine that some that some of the records that have you know the pace of of the sale of those is like right a lot in the first year, some in the next year, a few in the following year, and then they just trickle off, right? There's not yeah. going to unless one of us is convicted for some terrible crime. There's not going to be a big uptick in terms of people wanting <laughs> to go back and buy that record again, right? Uh, I like that. Um, that's where you go with it. Like that. That's got to be the, like the uh, the spike in fame has to be someone convicted of a terrible crime, but uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or what? someone's right, mauled like, by a lion or something, you know, <laughs> or, or or what? Like, like you two decides to bring us on tour? Like, no, like it's fine. Like I, <laughs> I don't. And there's there's no like uh, like way of of imagining it that's, that that like that that the world plays out where I would be able to sit as the person who ordered fifteen hundred records and is looking at eight hundred and fifty of them right now and say to myself. It's gonna like these things have a magical way that they are gonna disappear. Like it wouldn't happen. And I would look back on yeah. that record and say, like, what a fucking terrible failure. I can't believe that we were, you know, that we got burned on that. It's, the world's so unfair, et cetera, et cetera. Because 
we just we thought we were a 1500 record band when we were barely a 500 record band so you know small and successful from that from the perspective i think in that point is like that's that's the piece that sort of illustrates it like in the same way that like you know we uh, i i put a record out last year um that was that was uh, a solo project that I did that was sort of built around drone guitar loops. Yeah, the loops record. Yeah, and I that came out of like making twenty like twenty songs and then winnowing and then that that ended up being winnowing them down to four. But but after I was done with the twentieth of them, I was like, this is such a cool thing. I really love this stuff. I want to get it out there in the world. There's totally enough to do a double record here. There's totally enough to sort of like, I can imagine sort of doing a really basic gatefold. Like I just had the idea what it is. And I had a conversation with John Hasty about it. And he was like, you can totally do that. But like, think about the way that that could go wrong. And are you sure that that's not where you're at with this? And and he wasn't, and, and it's like, it's, I was the one, it wasn't like are the labels money that was going to get spent away. Like on the label, the bands pay for their own recordings and, and pressings and all that sort of stuff. So it's like, it was going to be my money, but was I going to look back on that and like regret the whole sort of thing? Right. Yeah. Or was I going to be like, Oh, this is cool. Um, and so that's when it made a lot more sense to say, you know what, why don't you scale this thing way, way back and do something with a smaller footprint and see how it goes. And, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's been a fine thing. It, it hasn't developed the audience. I would have loved for it to have developed. I'm fine with that though. Cause I'm, I'm not sitting back and looking at 850 records going. <laughs> right. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. It's there's, there's 20 people who think this thing is really cool. like that. It's that it's, it's just not the relationship I want to have with the music that I create where I, where it's feeling, I feel like regretful about it. Makes sense to me. And all right, so if, if folks want to get the uh, the new record, which is called uh, Bible Songs One by Asterity Program, mm-hmm. or if they want to get that record, which is like Loops something, uh, I forget what that one's called. So I don't have that in front it's, of me. It's called Drone Loops. <laughs> Drone by Loops. Foley. Thank you. There you uh, go. go to the site again. Live listeners, their pre-order packs up for I guess twelve more hours. Uh, otherwise, if Give you're listening to this in the podcast, you're probably going to have to get it another way. Uh, Justin, thanks so much for being on the show, man. It's been Conan, a long time I really, coming. I really appreciate your having me on, and you know, have a. I certainly consider the, what we're doing to be part of the stuff that you are doing with Radio Nope, and sort of your your just enthusiasm for all the stuff you're going on. So it's a real honor to be on with you. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, and uh, yeah, uh, th- thanks so much. And I'm I'm looking forward to getting my pre-order pack. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Conan, and thanks everyone for listening. Bye-bye. All right, take care, Justin. All right, there he goes, Justin Foley. Let's listen to uh, another song off of Bible Songs 1. It's Isaiah 63, 56. Wait a note.
All right. That's the austerity program for you. Isaiah 63, 2-6. Is this thing on? This is off of Bible Songs 1. You can get that on controlledburnrecords.com. I believe it's available on uh, Bandcamp if that's that's more your your speed. Yeah. Sturdy program. Justin Foley. Fascinating dude. That's a a hell of a talk. That's I've been have that happen for a while, so I hope you guys enjoyed that. Is this thing on? Alright, this show is called Kona Neutron's Protonic Conversion. It airs Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, 5 p.m. Pacific. RadioNope.com. As we come to the close of our broadcast day, listen to the archives. RadioNeutron.com. Write it for the shows. This is my farewell transmission. Which we're behind on. Don't at me. Signing off. Mr. and Mrs. America. All ships at sea. Again, controlburdenrecords.com for all things SRN program. Jay Foley's Loops record and Polonium, which we didn't even talk about, as well as Nonagon. I've got 50,000. We have a austerity program playing in Europe. Lots of power. Those dates are posted on their band camp and all the uh, places you find those kinds of things. Electricity. Live listeners, music on, music off. Up next, chickens. Can you hear me now? Everyone else. Route 128, dark and lonely. Thanks for listening. I got my radio on. Easy. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
Welcome to my top ten. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. Hey, hey! 